Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Monday edition of the Cyber Security Podcast, Security Squawk. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning. I just put down my air guitar. Randy just put down air drumsticks. Ryan just put down his air keyboard. And Andre was singing. So, how are you, gentlemen? Welcome to the show. Another week. Good. Feels yeah. weird to be doing this on a Monday, though. Yeah, it does. It does. The cobwebs aren't out yet. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel uh, smarter on Tuesdays, I guess, right? <laughs> All right. So today, uh, in our quest to educate you about cybersecurity and what you can do to protect yourself and bring awareness to a major problem for a lot of businesses and just people out there in general, um, I'm aware of quite a few people that are under cyber attack right now, and it's not in the news. So we bring you the stuff that's in the news to bring awareness. But remember, this stuff is happening every day to thousands of businesses across the United States, across the world. It's it's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. Um, <clears throat> individuals, small businesses, medium businesses, large businesses, large enterprises are all falling victim to cyber attacks. This stuff is preventable, folks. We're just way behind the times, way behind the eight ball on this. Um, cyber criminals have the upper hand right now, and they're improving every day. And we're going to prove that to you on the show today as we talk about that. Um, so we're going to get into two cyber attacks that happened in the last week that we know about that are in the news. Uh, and we're going to talk about some other things around, um, you know, two gangs that are really behind more than half of the cyber attacks. We're going to get into the long lasting effects of a ransomware attack and how this can impact your business for years and years. Um, if you're able to recover, even we're going to cite two examples where ransomware attacks that happened years ago are still having a lasting effect on these businesses. And then finally, simple stuff like Google Chrome uh, on your computer can cause you to have, get ransomware, even if like you're doing all the right things. If you you know don't have admin rights on your system, you don't run your computer with the administrator account uh, as your user account. Um, you know, this can circumvent things like two-factor authentication. It can circumvent your endpoint protection. Um, and we're going to talk about what the big deal is, why we want to bring it to your attention, because what, it's the third time it's happened with this particular one. And, and, and I say a short period of time, maybe four to six weeks. Uh, so we want to bring it to your attention and let you know what you can do to start protecting yourself around this stuff. So without further ado, let's talk. Let's just jump right into it, guys. We got hey, hey, one. Brian. Before we start, though, let's throw this to you this time because we never yeah. throw it to you. What's what's the fee? Throw it to me because <laughs> I, I, I made up the fee, right? <laughs> so we don't annoy you with ads and, and promotions and, and bore you. We just bring you the goods, help us grow the show, grow it organically by sharing it out to your friends and family or heading over to wherever you listen to us from and rating our podcast. It helps what it does is it helps the algorithm. It helps those platforms show it to other users that might not be your friends and family. Um, and this is how you let kind of strangers know that this is a worthwhile podcast and something that they should be listening to. So we appreciate when you do that for us. It helps us grow. And we see you guys doing that every week as the show grows and grows every week. And we appreciate it. So um, I don't know why I'm sharing my StreamYard screen. I just that was making me get it up there. Um, no idea, not even paying attention to the tab that I'm sharing. So thankfully I didn't share my, uh, my TD Ameritrade account. Um, so here we go. Conti ransomware gang <clears throat> claims a cyber attack on a wind turbine giant known as Nordex. So, um, why would they go after a wind turbine giant? What's the play here? What's going on? Well, I mean, bottom line, it, it's always about the money. So they're going after them because there is money that they can get from it. Um, the, the thing about this one, it says that they just got into their internal systems and didn't get into any of the actual turbines or the systems that control the turbines. But we say it every week. Um, Ryan... Andre, Brian, we all say it every week. Like, don't don't believe what you hear at first, right? Um, because they probably don't know 
there's a small chance they could even be lying to cover to cover their butts. So my concern here would be that they were able to get data out of the network, which they probably did, um, and then that that data could be used to compromise some of these actual wind turbine systems that are running all over the world. This is a huge manufacturer, um, Nordex. So that's my concern here. Yeah, it's usually like the second or third update. Usually, when we when we start getting the big picture of exactly yeah. what happened, it's like no big deal, and then like a week later, eh, maybe a big deal. So there's definitely later, in my, in my opinion, there's yeah. definitely some kind of supply chain type of that was that was my something, thought. Something behind this, right? Because like one one of the things is, is hugely concerning to me is the fact that you know these turbines are going to be distributed around the world to be used mm -hmm. by power generating entities, right? That's scary, right? Because malware could be then implanted in these systems and they could potentially control their systems. And even at just the dumb criminal level, I don't know, could you potentially, once you're in these systems, could you like crypto mine and stuff like that? I mean, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know what you could eventually do with this, but it's ugly, um, you know, to say the least, that you know, you you have a a potentially, you know, a supply chain attack at the very top of the supply chain in this industry. Um, not, you know, th this, in my opinion, is no different than when Kaseya got hacked in our industry, right? Um, you know, they they you know that these turbines don't run without software, right? So, could the software be compromised, and could that lead to further attacks down the road? as their software is distributed. Um, you know, it's the same thing we saw with SolarWinds and Kaseya. They, they were manufacturers of software um, and it, they had a bug put in it and they were able to use that bug to do nastier things. So concern for me, I don't know about you guys. I mean, yeah, this, this is one of the things that the U.S. Uh, came out with another warning about. I mean, it was a really general warning, but it was talking about critical infrastructure. So, you know, what if this is a practice attack, a, a low-level practice attack for a larger scheme? Usually when the FBI comes out, it's because they're seeing evidence of successful attacks mm -hmm. against companies in said sector. I mean, that's that's I've been studying what the FBI does for three, four years now, at least, when they release this stuff and what they start talking about. And usually after they release something, shortly thereafter, that sector is having a, a major problem with cyber attacks and ransomware. Yikes. Yeah, my, I have the same uh, concern that you do, that somehow through this attack, they'll leak out source code for the software that runs the, uh, the turbines, um, which would open them up to, you know, to a a real attack, I mean, an attack that could have really big um, interruptions of power supply. You know, we're talking serious, critical infrastructure here. Um, if they are able to, you know, find vulnerabilities, which they will, if they got source code, they're going to find vulnerabilities most likely um, mm -hmm. in the turbines and the software that controls the turbines uh, could be a big mess. So we got Black Cat Ransomware Group. We're going to move on here and we're going to let... Uh... Our boy Andre take this one since this is in his backyard. You got love those palm trees. You got palm trees where you're at too, right? Uh Randy. You're down, you're down. Uh there. you know, there's a few here and there. They they drink a lot of water. So yeah. <laughs> um uh they're they're usually people don't plant them. But there are there are some small ones pretty much all over, man. So we got Florida International U. Uh they got hit with a ransomware group by Black Cat. So what's going on down at FIU? Yeah, it, it always hurts when it's local. Um, FIU, they're probably about 20 minutes away from where I live. And um, essentially Black Cat, uh, they got personal information from students, teachers, staff, and they're claiming 1.2 terabytes of data um, related to contracts, accounting department, um, social security numbers, email databases, more. And we've talked many times uh, about how these ransomware groups want information from students. They're primed. Their social security numbers are clean. They can, you know, do a lot of information on that. And of course, FIU, unfortunately, is already coming out and saying, just like what Randy just said, hey, nothing to see here. You know, uh, we don't believe that they, they really had anything. They're going to do anything with it. 
And it's interesting at the end of the article, it says absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Hmm. Thank you for that, Andre. I mean, it's pretty straight up that these schools, universities are, are always targeted, right? Number one, they have money and these cyber criminals know it. Um, and number two, it's just one of those things that causes a lot of disruption, right? When, when students can't use labs and things like that and, and the school systems are shutting down the, the networks, it's in their best interest to get their customers back onto the system because they're paying for that, right? That's kind of how I look at it at a university. I'm going there, I'm paying you money so I can have access to the computers, the information, get my schoolwork done. And when I can't do that, you know, that's, that's major leverage as a cyber criminal that I have, you know, especially when school's in session. Um, what, it, it, this really isn't in the news down there though, right, Andre? No. I'm really, not really talking about it too much. No, like, not at all. We dug this up and you're, you were kind of, your reaction was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. And I, I'm a news junkie on, you know, my local news channels and newspapers, and I, I hadn't seen any of that. And it just goes to show you guys that, that, like, you know, this is happening right in Andre's backyard. How many other ransomware attacks are happening in your backyard that you're not hearing about? Right. Like, I know one in my backyard that's going on right now. Nobody knows about it. The people, the people that work there, the people that are involved know about it. Um, and it's, it's one that will come out cause it will have to be disclosed because I know the entity and it will need to be disclosed. You know, they're, they're thinking that they don't need to disclose it right now, but somebody's going to come along the way, probably a breach attorney and say, Oh, by the way, you're going to have to let the public know that this happened. Um, so anything else you want to add to this? You guys want to add or we ready to move on? I think what you were just talking about is a really good point. Cause that's something we, we hear all the time from, from business owners. I, I don't know anybody who's been hacked. And I, I think it's, right. it's important to understand that people don't talk about it. It's something that's embarrassing. Uh, the typically these days people know enough to, you know, contact an attorney. And so, you know, they're going to limit the flow of information for a variety of reasons. So just because you've never talked to anybody about how they've, suffered a compromise or a breach doesn't mean it hasn't happened. You probably do know at least a couple people who have had this happen. And, you know, business owners run in, in the same circle. So you probably know a couple people who have had this happen. They're just not going to talk about it and advertise it. Yeah. Nobody talks about anything that has to do with that, like embarrassment, right? People don't want to admit and, and typically most human beings avoid the uncomfortableness of being embarrassed. They also avoid the uncomfortableness of losing control because you're, you're in these situations, you lose a lot of control over something that you have a lot of control over, which is your business. The other thing too is, is that people get embarrassed over just going out of business, which is a real thing that businesses are faced with when they're in the midst of a cyber attack. Is my business going to survive this? Are we going to be able to make it through uh, this cyber attack, and this is another reason why your buddy's not calling you up, or your you know your friend who runs a certain business and got cyber attacked. They're not running out to tell their friends that this just happened to them. Um, this isn't like, hey, I just got hacked. Don't don't answer any messages from me on Facebook. That's not really being hacked, um, by the way. The thing uh, that I struggle with this is is just people don't like you know, telling other people about this, because once it's happened to you and you look at the things that you could have done to stop it, it's like, wow, that that's so obvious. And, and that's part of the embarrassment is they, they right. don't want to admit that they could have done something to stop this, but they don't, it, it's not obvious to them until it happens. Like when we right. talk to them in the, in the beginning, it's, you know, it's not going to happen to me. We don't need to do this. But all of a sudden, as soon as it happens, it's, it's embarrassing enough to where I clearly should have done something about this. So that that's the struggle. Yeah, But it's again, we, we try to warn people. It's, if something happens to you, it's probably too late. It's mm -hmm. like, that's why we use the analogy of like seatbelts and car safety, because like you can't put the seatbelt on after the accident. Why, or while you're going over the cliff. Right. Like you, you just can't like it, they, these are all decisions and all, and all stuff. It's like, you know, if you die and you don't have a, a, a life insurance, so you can't buy life insurance after you croak. Um, and you can't, stop ransomware after the cyber criminals in there doing his thing like it's just it's over at that point 
Um, but there's a lot of things you can do on defense to prevent a touchdown, right? right? And that's how I look at it all the time. It's like we're constantly on defense here, looking for the best way that we can we we can put out the best defense that we can. Um, and sometimes, you know, we might play a little offense. We might intercept the ball and play a little offense. But for the most part, we're 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 a very defensive-minded organization here. And and how can we play better defense and prevent right. these things from happening? So, and that's the wanna... thing that's going to help you too if you do get attacked. And you, I mean, because nothing is one hundred percent, so we need to we need to realize that as well. But if you do get attacked and you were doing things to prevent that, you know, that's a whole different ball game. Hey, you know, this this kind of stuff happens. This is the reality we live in. But here's what we were doing to try and prevent this, and you know, things can still happen. Yeah. Hey, so Ryan, got... can you go back to the previous one for just a sec. We're even talking wanna... about it. Go ahead. I just want to throw in real quick about about Black Cat because yeah. um, Black Cat seems to be taking the place where our evil was. Um, they're really up and coming, a different kind of a business model. Ransomware is a service, which we've talked about a lot, but they provide all of the support and all of the back end stuff. So basically the, the franchisee, if you will, just gets access and then they're going to handle negotiations. They're going to handle all that. We're going to see a lot more of these of these guys, if they don't get shut down, you know, between now and, you know, soon. We're, we're going to talk about that in, in a minute. So don't, don't, don't steal the thunder. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> oh man. All right. So we got, this is an interesting stat to me. The two gangs are behind half of all the attacks. So like, seriously, there's two guys, two groups in the world that are kind of cleaning up shop here. So, um, it's Lockbit and Conti, right? I think I have them right. And basically, it's between the two of them, they're responsible for 58% of ransomware attacks. Now, I'm going to caveat these statistics real quick before Ryan goes into the details of it. Number one, these are the ones that we know about, right? The, the data of all the cyber attacks, which is a higher pool of data to pull from that we don't know about, versus what we do know about is way less. So we're only talking about maybe 20% of the total ransomware and cyber attacks that happen out there. And of the ones we know of, 58% of them are Lockbit and Conti. And I'll let Ryan go in a second, but I'm just gonna say, I just think that these particular groups target big companies that have to disclose this stuff. They go after bigger fish, bigger paydays, there are still groups we've never heard of, individuals that sit in various places around the world who cyber attack and target small businesses and will take way less money than what these guys are asking for. And they're still doing the same thing and still causing the same uh, same havoc. So, uh, Rye, what's, what, what's, what's, give us some detail on this article. I know you d dove into it. Mm -hmm. What? What are some interesting things that you took away behind these these two? I mean, guys? the thing that I take away from this, and, and this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about next and what, what Randy was just alluding to, is these groups are built like businesses, right? So so Lockbit and Conti right now are, are kind of the, the higher end big corporations of this world. There are still you know hundreds, thousands of these other smaller groups that are doing the same type of thing, just like you were saying, that are attacking these smaller groups. These are the ones that are getting all the press right now because they're, you know, they're hitting the higher value targets, the larger targets. So, and they've got the resources to do it. They've got the processes in place. You know, they've got HR departments, you know, they are structured just like a big business, right? And that's why we're seeing more from them. They just have better processes right now. They have better funding. Um, but they are that's allowing them to target much larger targets. I mean, we talk about how nothing is 100 percent. Most of the time, these these attacks are going to be on smaller businesses by far using more of like a net phishing type attack where they're just going after whoever they can get. Right. Whereas some of these larger groups are specifically targeting larger companies and having bigger payouts and having national news attention kind of thing. So um, I, I think that's the, the big thing I take away about this is, is the structure of this. The processes, I mean, they've, they've got ways of doing this where they don't even need to do all the dirty work. You know, they they, they create the, the software, if you will, and then allow other people to push it out. So, Right. Because, you know, one of the perspectives that people need to have is, is like, when this goes down, you're probably dealing with very well-trained FBI agents and law enforcement, you know, in most cases. You know, unless you've, like, ransomware, you know, grandma's pictures, um, you know, nobody's coming to help 
grandma, right? But when you're talking these particular groups at this level, they need that type of operation to get successful and be paid because you're negotiating against professional negotiators. Um, so you need to have a pretty good operation behind you to accomplish what these guys have accomplished. So lest anyone think they have dreams of becoming a ransomware hacker and working by themselves and deploying ransomware on these companies and making millions and, you know, only having to work for three months out of their whole entire life and then retire into riches, you're going to be sorely mistaken when you figure out how difficult it really is, what type of pressure situation it really is. And if you're not really good, you're probably going to get caught. I mean, look at all these teens that we are seeing get caught left and right mm -hmm. now. And, you know, they're behind these these groups, which we don't know if it's one kid or, or really well-run groups. But as time moves on and we get reporters out there who meet these people, start to interview them, start to interview people that used to work there or know people that work there, we start to see that there's some really tight operations out there, you know. This is the 1%. This is the Fortune 500 of cyber criminals is, is what we're talking about right here. Right, guys? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I, to, just to go back to your point about, too, the, the numbers and, and you know the number of companies that are not disclosing and tying that back down to those business owners who aren't reporting this. I mean, there, there's going to be a, a percentage of businesses who, you know, they, they, they just throw away all their computers, buy new ones and, and start over from scratch and don't tell anybody about it. And those, those stats are just not you know, not going to be a part of this, yep. but that happens more often than you think as well. These, these two gangs are also uh, Russian based. So with current geopolitical situations going on, um, we really ought to keep, keep keeping our eye on these two, um, especially uh, Conte. Conte supposedly has ties with Russian intelligence. So we'll see what comes out of that. Good point, my friend. All right. So, 2020, I just want to kind of go into, before we touch on kind of what Ryan and Randy were alluding to on how well built out these organizations are behind the scenes, really paint a picture for people to start to understand, like, the, the, the neophyte kind of mentality around this stuff where people who just don't understand this and don't know and they're kind of being brought into the world of, of cyber criminals, cyber attacks, and what could actually happen in their business. A lot of people think it's just like an event. It's just like, oh, it's a two-week thing. It's a one-week thing. It's a three-week thing. We'll get through it, right? Here are two examples of two entities, and I would say that the larger your entity it is, the more likely something like this is going to linger on for longer periods of time. But a 2020 ransomware attack is still harming Baltimore teachers. And this happened two years ago. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because we've covered that Baltimore attack a million times. But again, they're still dealing with this problem. And they're not the only ones. You also have Scripps Health. Scripps Health is, is another group that they, they are sending out their second round of, of uh, breach notices a year after they were cyber attacked. And they, they were hit pretty hard and pretty big. So these are things that, you know, we want to make sure businesses have the perspective that this could impact your business for a really, really long time. If you're not big enough, if you're not resilient enough, you're probably going to go out of business as a result. Um, but you got two pretty big entities here, I would say well-funded entities that really aren't going anywhere. Um, and they're still dealing with this problem. I mean, you know, Scripps Health is a hospital conglomerate out in California, very well funded. Um, and they were unable to prevent the cyber attack. And now they're dealing with all of this for years now. And it's going to continue. It's not going to it's not going to end this year. Um, they're still dealing with all of it. So um, and, and this isn't right. I know with your uh, the, the company that you were helping out, mm -hmm. I'm sure that, you know, they're a very small business. Yep. I'm sure the ramifications of that are still being felt today and are going to continue to be felt Absolutely. Um, as they move throughout the year. 
Yeah, I mean, and we talked a little bit about this in the green room. I, I think a lot of people, their their first response is, oh, you know, we've got backups. We'll just restore from backups and we'll be good. Well, one, that doesn't always go nearly as quickly as you think it's going to. Two, a lot of these attacks these days are finding ways to destroy those backups so they may not even be an option if they were there in the first place. I mean, how many of these businesses that get hit with something like this that didn't have the proper protections in place, usually that means that there's some lapse infrastructure-wise as well. So they may not have things to recover from in the first place. So yeah, these things take a while to recover from. Yeah. And why is that? Because leaked documents show Notorious Ransomware Group has an HR department, performance reviews, and employee of the month. And like we haven't even mentioned the fact that companies that don't clean up correctly get cyber attacked again. They yep. get ransomware again. Mm-hmm. Right? Can happen goes two, up. Weeks, week, two weeks or a month. But uh, let's all of us kind of wrap in on this one because uh, we're going to talk about this one and we're going to talk about Chrome next and we're going to wrap it up. But um, I was blown away when I read this article. I think uh, Andre shared it with all of us last week. I, I was blown away. I wasn't surprised by anything I, I read here. Um, but I was interested. Like employee of the month kind of blew me away a little bit. And, uh, you know, and the fact that they have employees working for them on certain aspects, right? So you think about, um, you know, you think about how Ford Motor Company perfected perfected manufacturing, right? Where they broke everything down into little tasks that, you know, you, you know no, nobody need, needed to know how to build the entire car. They just needed to know how to screw, you know, the lug nut onto onto the tire, right? Get the tire on using the lug nuts. And, and that, you know, that was his job. And he might've done 200 tires in a day. Who knows, right? Kind of starting to see a similar thing here, guys, is you got guys that are running adware ads, right? For the ransomware groups. What does that mean? It means that they got somebody who's really good at getting ads in front of your face and getting you to click on them that then lead to ransomware when you click on that ad. And that's a thing that's going on, right? And these guys that are doing this don't know that they're working for guys that are deploying ransomware when somebody clicks on the ad. They're just really good at getting people to click on ads. Just like you would hire somebody in your company to help you get leads because you want more traffic, more leads for your business. These guys are doing the same thing. And like I said, they are not aware that they're doing it for a reason. We saw this with phishing. People who were really good at creating phishing emails and getting People to click on phishing emails had no idea that the emails that they were crafting and creating were actually leading to somebody getting to ransomware. And this is a real thing. And this is how deep it goes and how uh, well organized these these businesses are. Because you got to call them that. You can't call them. You you can call them criminal businesses, but you can't just think that this is some dude sitting in his mom's basement getting you, you know, to click on something. These groups are structured better than most of the small businesses we're trying to protect. Mm-hmm. Some of them are structured better than some of the, the, the software vendors that make some of the stuff that, that are, are used to, in protection and backups. I mean, it, it's they've got R&D departments, right? They're, they're not just you know having one guy throw some stuff out. They're learning from this stuff and improving upon it uh, consistently. I mean, that that's what we're up against. We're up against a very well-organized machine that's, you know, in a lot of respects, making more money than, than the people paid to protect against it. I mean, like, think about it. Like, I run my business, right? My marketing person has no idea how my operations team and what they do behind the scenes, right? But my marketing person knows how to get people to, mm-hmm. to raise their hand and say they're interested in our services, right? But they, they don't. And, and it's like you said, right? It's very much like a regular business. It's like, you know, it's not like a three or four guys that know how to do all this stuff they're they're reaching out to hey we're not so, we're really good at making ransomware we're not so good at getting people to click on stuff so we can get it on their system so let's go find somebody who's really good at that and i guess the thing that blows my mind is the fact that those people don't know what they're creating and where where it's going i kind of feel mm-hmm. like you got to be a a real knucklehead to not know that you're creating ads that lead to that right but who, who knows, right? It could be like this, right? I look at it like this. It could be, since I have CNBC up on the screen, I could make a fake CNBC news website and and that person could think that they're just sending traffic to CNBC, right? They do an ad, 
you know, here you go, but it's a fake CNBC website. And if you click on my ad or download and go to my site and, you know, I get you to download something or click on something and now I can get a payload on your system, mission accomplished, right? It sounds simple, but that's reality. Am I, am I, am I, am I making it too simple there or? Yeah, I think that's, you know, so obviously some of the employees working there know for sure what's going on. Right. If you look at Ponzi schemes, a lot of times, a lot of the uh, the lower level people don't know. Like, you can't tell me all these people that's calling about car, car warranty know that it's a whole scam. I'm sure they think that it's actually a legit business for car warranty. And we use a lot of the times ransomware gang. And when you look at, like, for example, the drug trade, you have the very top, top, top people that are just pushing out all the drugs and things like that. But then you have the lieutenants and you have like the street criminals actually doing the work and they're the ones getting caught. And then for them, you know I'm in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so car warranties and, and cocaine, that's that's Miami. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but as soon as these, you know, as soon as the law enforcement gets on the bottom, of course they're trying to, you know, flip and flip and try to get to the top. But by then they close down that ransomware group and, and open up a new one. All right, so up on the screen, I have kind of a, a org chart, right? And it's interesting. That org chart is a little weird, right? Normally, it's like a top-down, and this is very much like all roads lead to executive management. Um, so affiliates are the people who get into your network, okay? Just so you understand how this laid out. Affiliates are the people who get into your network, right? The ransomware group does not get into your network. Somebody else does. So somebody else is pushing out the spam, pushing out, you know, the different stuff to get you to click so they can get so they can get access to your network. Once they have access, then they contact these guys, right? And they have, you know, let's just start at the top left, R and D. So right, red team. How can we get lateral access? So what's the red team doing? They're they're once they get access from the affiliate, then they're figuring out how can we get more access how can we get this ransomware deployed maybe maybe the affiliate has access to a, a computer or server but how can we get access to the whole entire network because we don't want to just encrypt one machine we want to encrypt the whole entire network so you got red team people trying to figure out how to use vulnerabilities look for vulnerabilities and exploit those vulnerabilities so they can get deeper and deeper into your network and make this a lot worse for you developers might be writing code python to, to move laterally, move across the network. Um, reverse. Help me out on that one, guys. I have no idea what reverse means. I have no idea. Which one? Reverse on our uh, Reverse engineering, probably. Reverse uh, engineering. I got you. Okay. All right. Third-party service operators, again, um, looking for different service operators that can help yeah. them get deeper access into your network. That might be a command and control uh, type of operation. Right. They're not running um, the command and control server. Somebody else is. And they're reaching out to them saying, hey, you know, can you help us get more access, more back doors into into this company? We're about to deploy ransomware on business hey, development. Hey, Brian, one yeah. thing that, that I'm noticing is not on here that you better believe that they have is they've got their own cybersecurity. They're protecting their internal environments really? as well. Really? Because I'm not seeing that. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing some that are getting hacked back by, you know, because of the, the infighting. So there's not, not all of I mean, them. a lot of the stuff that I've seen, especially on the dark web, they don't do any cybersecurity. Like, they, they don't don't, think they're protecting their assets and, and, and I really don't. I really, what do they have? What do I they mean, have? They've got systems and data just like everybody else. Well, I mean, they who's, do, but... who's protecting that, that, that vulnerability ca uh, treasure trove that they've got that they're using to, to, to do some of these attacks and, and, and build some of these exploits. Yeah, I mean, I think that... I, I would venture to say that some of these larger groups have way better cybersecurity than some of the smaller businesses that we talk to that, that you know, claim you that they, be, don't, they you don't might, need... You, you might be 100% right. I, 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 I don't know. I just can tell you what I've seen and what I've seen mm -hmm. has been pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and I guess it just depends on how quickly the FBI can get all right. over you. Guys, I mean, these, right? these exploits can be worth millions of dollars. So, you know, sure. I, I'm pretty sure that they're protecting these things. So um, as yeah. I was reading this and I contemplated on it for a while, I really did y'all, but, um, but joke, joking aside, think about this for a second. 
let's say that they're keeping everything separate. People even think they're working for separate companies, possibly. Mm -hmm. They would think they're working for separate departments. Like literally somebody out there could be doing business with one of these companies thinking that they're doing business with a cybersecurity training company. Okay. And they're giving them all their information and these employees are over there. Yeah, we work for a cybersecurity information company. They, what they don't realize is all of that info they get is going into this, this the bad guys. It could be a, a zero trust company. It could be like there's so many things it could be. So I'm going to I'm just going to drop it right down on you because you make a great point. Like if you don't think that there are managed service providers, companies like mine, Andre's, Ryan and Randy's that I don't know, don't have a process for evaluating software properly. And I don't know, maybe some guy calls up or they do a Google search and they're like, Hey, check out this new software you can install and run vulnerability assessments on your network, right? And what Randy's talking about here, guys, is the fact that it's very well possible that an MSP who doesn't do the right things, doesn't have the right processes in place, doesn't train their staff to not do those types of things and understand that there's a process that must be followed before we put these types of things with the level of access that they had and mm -hmm. the things that they can do to systems, there are absolutely IT companies out there that don't have these things in place mm -hmm. that will put these things on their systems and your systems without them being fully vetted. And the concern that all of us have right now is that that could potentially be somebody who's a bad actor on the other side who controls that software. And it doesn't even have to be a bad actor. It could just be, you know, some other vendor with bad posture that's asking for full yeah. admin rights because it's easier than right. structuring things properly to, to make their software right. do just what it needs but to just do. Think about all the tools that have come out in the mm -hmm. last two years mm -hmm. in our industry to help businesses mm -hmm. like ours do what we do and automate a lot of the things that used to not be automated, right? And the level of access that these tools need. Um, all the different agents that all these different IT companies install on your computers. Are, are you fully vetting the company before you put that out there? Like, that's the question. And if you, you know, if you're not doing that, if you're not figuring out what country they're in, what kind of certifications they have, when was their last audit? What's their security like? This is all stuff that you need to know before you trial anybody's software. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a big concern that I have, like, as I see us move forward into this world of like cloud based services where you usually get a free trial for something. Oh, throw this on. It's no big deal. Well, now I have a backdoor in your system. And I can do whatever I want. Yep. And, and you think you're getting some free trial to my 30 day software that you think is going to help you do your job. Um, and that can happen. Not only to companies like ours, it can happen in anybody's business, right? And any time, too. It could be something where you set that up and you give them that backdoor access, but they don't exploit that for you know two, three years. One of the things I think of is we get requests all the time from clients asking, hey, I want to. I found this Microsoft Excel plugin that's going to help me do X, Y, and Z, right? And they got to install that. And it's like, well, yeah, no, we got to make sure that this is legit and this isn't going to cause a problem. And like, but... In the spirit of them trying to help your business be more efficient, help you make more money, use software, use technology, you know, that that's their attitude. That's their spirit going into this. They're not going into this thinking, I'm going to download this and get, get us ransomware. They're like, oh, I want to download this really cool tool. And that's the psychological trick that these guys are doing on the R&D side. What are things that we can create that we could trick somebody into downloading, think it's legit and it's not? Right. And that's exactly what R&D is doing. So hopping over to the other bubble, business development. Right. So they got the negotiators. That's pretty given. Obviously, ransomware people are going to have negotiators. But acquisition. These are the people that are going after your employees. These are the people that are like, hey, we're going to give us we'll give you one hundred thousand dollars if you give us access to your click on this link and give us access to your network. These are, the, these are the people who are trying to figure out how can they get in by just getting to your employees and getting to the people that they know work, not tricking them into clicking on something, bribing them into allowing the access. 
bribing a partner, a vendor, somebody who's close to your organization that they might be able to, to swindle into, into giving them access. That's what these salespeople are trying to do for these groups. So anything you guys want to add to that section before I jump over to finance? Good. All right, so finance, we got money laundering and we got transaction management, right? Transaction management probably sucks because there's a lot of stories out there about them having their wallets seized and this, that, and the other thing. But they have people who are making sure the transactions happen, that the Bitcoin addresses are, you know, being, you know, closed off properly and things like that. And the money's getting out of the, the wallet quick enough. Uh, and then once they have the money, how they how are they actually turning it into fiat currency without, you know, setting off tripwires and alarms for officials, government officials and things like that. So that's the that's the landscape of a ransomware operation right that, there in a nutshell. That last one would be to me, probably those people know they're doing something shady. Oh, yeah. Like there may be some of these other ones that they're kept out in the dark and they don't really know, you know, I'm just generating well, ads for you know, NBC or whatever. But, you know, you know what it's mean? interesting, though. You know what? Because you, I don't know, because in the spirit of kind of researching and, I, and I'm and I'm kind of like a little bit of a geopolitic buff. Um, but obviously, with everything that's happening over in Ukraine and Russia, um you know, looking at things like how we know the oligarchs work, right? And, they, you know, it's no secret that a lot of these oligarchs have girlfriends and they're put up in places all over the world that, you know, they, they live in for free and the money's funneled to them. The, those people are actually, you know, obviously somebody in the middle there knows they're doing something illegal, right? But there are people who are actually doing the laundering, like turning it into fiat, right? So, hey, I'm going to pay you in Bitcoin for the rent this week. You just need to make sure you get that converted over and make sure you pay the rent, right? That's how, And that person who's paying the rent has no idea who that Bitcoin was just sent to them from a ransomware attack, right? And that's how this stuff actually goes down. So good stuff, guys. Anything else we want to add before we move on? Good. We can cool. talk about this probably for hours. Yeah. All right. So wrapping it up, big vulnerability out there, folks, that we, we really want to educate you guys on and make sure you understand like the ramifications of something, again, that's not really hitting the news too crazy, but it is a thing. It's a concern for all of us because it's happened so frequently lately. Um, but you wouldn't think that downloading software. Now, like, let's assume you work at a company and every time you try to install software, you get that little prompt saying you need admin credentials, which is a good thing. Um, you know, you, you need somebody to kind of type in a username and password so you can do that. Hopefully you have that security in place at your company. Um, so to install Google Chrome, you would need that little username and password, right? I plugged that in. Now you have Google Chrome on your system. You wouldn't think that Google Chrome being present on the system could lead to a cyber attack or ransomware attack. But just like Microsoft Windows and just like many other applications that run on your system, it needs a certain level of, of access in order to run properly. And these, and these programs all have that. That's why you have that prompt that comes up when you install it. It's not just when you install it. It's also why the program's running. You've kind of just given it explicit permission that from this point moving forward, I want this on my system and I want to allow it to run um, without anything like really stopping it or blocking it. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the foundational understanding I wanted you guys to have of, of this. But now you have Chrome on the system and an attacker can use a vulnerability in Chrome to basically overtake your system and be an administrator on your system without you having to do much of anything at all other than have this software on your computer and not update it when they push out the update. So that's the foundation. Let's dig into the details and what and like really wrap the show up with what users need to do and what can we do? Obviously patching Google is one of them, but what are some things that we can do to prevent these types of things 
uh, from happening. So well, just just to frame these vulnerabilities, so it, so it makes sense to people too. Like every year, the the software that we use across the board gets more and more complicated, right? So even something you know supposedly simple like like a web browser like Google Chrome has millions of lines of code. So these vulnerabilities exist because there's so much code in there. It's it's impossible to to plug all of those holes. So these vulnerabilities that that uh, are, are getting published here are ones that some other somebody else probably has known about for a long, long time. The reason we know about it now is somebody was using it to exploit something. There's probably ten times as many vulnerabilities that still exist in that same code that we just don't know about yet. Maybe somebody does. Maybe they haven't been discovered yet. But as software gets more complex, we're going to be more susceptible to vulnerabilities like this. So this is not something that's going away and why this stuff is so important. And, and, and to your point, is you're 100% right, but you also have cyber criminals haven't been focusing on this aspect of it for very long. So we're still in the early stages mm -hmm. of, of, of code threat hunting, people pouring through code. And then you're going to have AI that's going to be able to help yep. automate this, right? And, and and get through that code faster to find these vulnerabilities. So and that's why we, when we talk about, you know, these attacks where they get access to source code, how important that is. I mean, you know, throw out a, a techie Star Wars reference, right? You know, they've got the plans to the Death Star and they're, they're going to find the weak point. Yeah, you want an easy button to hacking, get source code to something. Mm -hmm. That's why mm -hmm. Microsoft does not go open source, folks. Right. And now you're starting to see Linux get hammered left and right, too. Right. It's it's there aren't enough people in the world to focus on all the vulnerabilities that are out there. But give it time. There's going to be plenty of people in the world who are doing this a lot more. It's going to seem like it's a real, real big problem, even bigger than it is today. I mean, it's just the economics like there's not mm -hmm. this is like we're just three years ahead of NFTs. And if you think nobody's involved in NFTs and that's going to blow up. This is going to blow up a million times bigger than NFTs ever will. So, you know, that's kind of the perspective. You have very little people involved in this world right now of cybersecurity on both the criminal side and the defender side. Um, and the more people that get involved, the better technology, the better well-run these criminal organizations become, the uglier it's going to get. So... Randy, you're, you're quiet, Randy. It's uh, like well, right up I'm your alley, dude. For a spot here. So I, I would yeah. just say, like, you know, I mentioned in the green room that patching in general is very unsexy right now. And, you know, you don't hear it talked about a lot. Um, but that's really what this is about. And if, if a bad actor gets into your network, um, one of the things they're going to do um, is they're going to start looking for vulnerabilities. That's why you want to have all your stuff patched. This needs to be patched. Um, Google's typically pretty good about putting out security updates for their products. Um, this one came out like on the 13th. Yeah. Um, and then the, the vulnerability was was announced. They put out a patch the next day. Yeah. It's the third week in a row that this has happened. It affects over 3 billion Chrome installations out there. Um, it also affects Chrome OS. Wow. Wow. By and the other way, things built on Chrome. So Microsoft by the, way, by the way, the OS built for cybersecurity. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that blows my mind when companies come out and they're so they're so blatant or so brass about their 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 capabilities when it really hasn't been tested. Windows has been tested because it's 90% of the market share, especially in the in the corporate world. Mac has barely been tested. Linux, people kind of laid off that because not a lot of people know it. But as people start to realize that there's a whole treasure trove of stuff you can exploit inside of Linux, Linux is going to become a fan favorite too. And then, you know, just as you go down the list of things that are less used, if you think because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Linux is so secure. It's not so secure. It's just people aren't writing viruses for it. They just have no interest in doing it. Um, and that's what I see similar, you know, similar thing is happening is like they're starting to turn their attention to not Windows. They're starting to turn their attention to the software you put on Windows, um, Chrome, 
you know, all these other things. And like on, like uh, Randy said, this is the third zero day in a very short period of time for the software. And that's why we wanted to bring it out. I guess the other thing for me too, guys, and the question I want to pose, and we'll wrap up the show with this discussion. We always talk about, or we have been talking about a lot lately, zero trust, right? And I look at this as a situation where if I'm an attacker and I'm able to exploit your Chrome, my next thing that I'm going to try to do at some point is fire up something else on your system so I can do something, right? And in my mind, zero trust is where this stuff ends. Like this kind of stuff, like I look at where we are today. It's if we're, it, 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 Do you want to play a cat and mouse game with software vendors, cyber criminals, and your enterprise? Or do you want to be able to put up something that just says – you know what, unless we've evaluated it, reviewed it, blessed it, it's not going to run on our systems, right? And I'm talking about from a network standpoint and from a, from a computer standpoint. Being able to put zero trust out there and not allow things to run will prevent a criminal who exploited your Google Chrome because it happened to not be updated, but then he tried to launch something else and that zero trust tool wouldn't allow that thing to launch. To me, that's that's the thing and where people need to go to. If they really want to stop this stuff, if they really want to prevent this stuff, you can't worry about if you're like, oh, my God, you're either going to throw in the towel and say, all right, it's not even worth it to try to keep up or it's like, I want to do everything I can. Well, if you're in that camp of like, I want to do everything I can, zero trust is everything you can right now, right? This is how you're going to stop a Google Chrome that does have that exploit from ruining your your day. And it's not just like allow only allowing something, you know, vetting something new. It's 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 vetting the things that are already there that you have allowed from doing something unusual, something that it hasn't done before. Yep. Andre, you've been too quiet. Oh, I'm here. Um, another thing to just mention on this with this um, zero day uh, with this Chrome is that it can steal your personal information from your data browser, so which is important why you shouldn't be keeping your username and password in, in, inside that uh, convenience slot there. Yep. Something as simple as Chrome, and then you've got your password to something that is a lot more valuable sitting right there that now they've got access to. Right. Right. I'm done. You guys good? <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for your input, gentlemen. Good show. I think we... Uh, we uh, chipped away at educating people here on on uh, cybersecurity. And did we tell them something new? Yeah, Gosh. we told them. We, yeah. told them, we yeah. told them many things new. I think yeah. we told them something new every minute. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think there's people in our community who are go who learn something new. Like even <laughs> the cybersecurity people learn something new today from us. Well, that's so. important. You need to realize, you know, even you know all. All of us in this room, you know, we, we realize that there's new stuff coming out daily. You you, you can't yep. assume you know everything. That's right. All right. So that'll be it. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, please remember to share out our show or rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. We appreciate five-star reviews, nothing less. And we'll see you in the next show next week. Take care. See you later, everybody. Cool.